Well, good morning. Man, we've had some church up in here. I am, uh, I love this house. I love you. I love this church and our hunger for God's presence. And um, man, this, is, this has been good. Pastor Kathy, this has been good. Church already. I know that there's a sense in which we could probably just all go home. But I did bake some bread and I cooked some meat. And if y'all don't eat it, I don't know what I'll do with it. I'll have to take it home. So I um, just am excited about how God's speaking and moving through us and in us as a people and what, uh, what was shared this morning that, that Jesus is in our midst and he's at work. Pastor Kathy and our team were talking before church about just all the different ways that we see Jesus showing up in people's lives. And we celebrate that. And when you see Jesus showing up in your life, we want you to let us know because one of the things about Jesus's presence and activity is the more you acknowledge it, recognize it and celebrate it, the more you become aware of it, the more you begin to experience it, amen? So I want to share some word with you this morning. I know that you are uh, hungry for God's presence and you're hungry for God's word. We're going to continue talking about stories at the table. And since our time's gone a little bit long this morning, let's just jump right into the word. Can you listen fast this morning? Good. There's five of you that'll listen fast. The rest of you are going to slow us all down. That's all right, though. Luke chapter 19. And as it, as it, happens. I have a couple of passages and a couple of stories and a couple of people that I want to talk to you about this morning. As we're on Palm Sunday, we're going to look at what was happening in Jesus's life coming up to Palm Sunday. And so we're going to read from Luke 19 and from Luke 22. And before we read, I just want to give you a little bit of, little bit of, a uh, little bit of context. When you read the gospel of Luke, uh, Luke tells his gospel in a very particular way. And the last half of his gospel, really beginning in chapter 9, Jesus turns his face toward Jerusalem. And from Luke chapter 9, when it says, Jesus set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem, then the whole, the whole gospel is Jesus' journey to Jerusalem from Galilee. And all the stories that happen are him on his way to Jerusalem. When he gets to Jerusalem, it's Passover, it's Palm Sunday, it's Holy Week, it's Good Friday. And so the way the gospel works is that it's just continuously culminating toward the end of this story. And so when we're in this Palm Sunday moment, um, this story you'll remember from Children's Church, if you were in Children's Church, but it happens just before Palm Sunday. And then I want to read another familiar story, and, and I want to pull two stories of two people together this morning. So let's look at Luke chapter 19. It says, he entered Jericho and was passing through it. And so there you see Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. A man was there named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. 
So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone anything, I'll pay back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Amen. We're going to pull some things out of Zacchaeus' story, but we're going to move on just a week further down the road after Palm Sunday. If you look with me in Luke chapter 22, another very familiar story at the table. The table's not mentioned in Zacchaeus' house, but we know that when Jesus went there, he was hosted at the table. Now let's read Luke chapter 22. When the hour came, he took his place at the table. This is Jesus. And the apostles with him. And he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now let's focus on this sentence this morning. But see, the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on the table. I have that underlined here in my scripture. For the Son of Man is going and has been determined, but woe to that one by whom he is betrayed. And then they began to ask one another, which one of them it could be who would do this. Once again, that phrase, and his hand is on the table, is going to give us the title for this message this morning. And the title is, Whose Hand Is That on the Table? Whose hand is that on the table? Lord, your presence has been with us already. We ask you in these few moments to speak life-giving words to us. Lord, may we learn and may we experience more of who Jesus is through these stories at the table. May we find you in our stories at our table by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to tie these two stories and eventually I'll reveal these two people and these two tables together. And what we're doing is asking the Holy Spirit to help us to identify ourselves in these stories because when we identify ourselves in the stories of Jesus, we open up the possibility that we can identify Jesus in our stories. 
one of the great things that can happen to you through this series and in this season is that the way you read the scriptures can change. The Holy Spirit can help you to read scripture in fresh and new ways. Reading these stories is not like reading a history book. It's not just reading a historical story about what happened to Zacchaeus or the apostles or Jesus, but when you're reading the Bible, you're reading something that is historically true, but it is a living word. The Bible says that all Scripture is God-breathed. That means that God breathed Scripture into existence, but it also means that God's breath is in Scripture. That the Scripture and the stories within Scripture are living, breathing words and stories, and so uh, they're going to come alive. And so when we think about Zacchaeus, I want you to see if the Holy Spirit might breathe on some things about Zacchaeus. I just want to quickly draw your attention to a few things about Zacchaeus. The first thing I want you to notice about Zacchaeus is that Zacchaeus was curious to see who Jesus was. Zacchaeus is interested in Jesus, and he's interested enough to get ahead of Jesus. The Bible says he ran ahead of the crowd. He climbed a sycamore tree because he wanted to see who Jesus was. There are a lot of people who are interested enough in Jesus to take a peek at Jesus, to get a view of Jesus, to get a glimpse of Jesus. The Bible even says that King Herod wanted to see Jesus because he was fascinated by Jesus. He was interested in Jesus. But Zacchaeus is interested in Jesus. He's up in a sycamore tree, and Jesus says to him, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree because I want to come to your house today. Here's what I want to point out to you is that Zacchaeus was an admirer of Jesus. Zacchaeus was fascinated by Jesus. He just wasn't surrendered to Jesus. Zacchaeus was interested in Jesus. He just wasn't following Jesus. He was curious about Jesus. And I find that a lot of people have times in their life where they're just interested enough in Jesus to pay Jesus a little bit of attention, to give Jesus some lip service, to call on Jesus' name every now and then. But I am thankful today that Jesus is never content for you or me to remain at the place of just being an admirer of Jesus. I'm glad today that while Zacchaeus was an admirer, Jesus didn't just keep on walking and say, I've got no time for admirers and leave him in the sycamore tree. Sometimes when you're in the sycamore tree, you're really not interested in intimacy with Jesus. You're just interested in curiosity with Jesus. But if you listen and you pay attention Jesus will always call you deeper. You see, Jesus never asked for people to run around and talk about him and gossip about him and watch him do miracles. When people got into watching Jesus do miracles and being fascinated with Jesus doing miracles, he would always call them deeper and challenge them that this is not a sideshow. This is not an addition to your life. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to transform you. I'm not here for you to just be fascinated 
fascinated by me. I'm here to be your Lord and your Savior and your King. I want to revolutionize your life. So if you're treating me in some sort of a surface admiration, I'm not going to cast you away. I'm going to invite you deeper. Zacchaeus, come down from that tree, and I want to go to your house today. We often think that Jesus is always inviting us to his house. But the truth of the matter is Jesus is less interested in you getting to his house. He's more interested in him getting in your house. <laughs> See, it's easy for us to spiritualize what Jesus wants to do with our lives by saying, well, one day I'll get to heaven. One day I'll get into God's house. One day I'll be in abide with Jesus. But Jesus is not concerned about that one day. He'll take care of that day when it gets here. What Jesus wants to know is can I come to your house? I don't want to just meet you in the church building. I don't want to just meet you on Sunday morning. I'd like to be in your kitchen. I'd like to be in your bedroom. I'd like to be in your child's room. I'd like to be in your living room. I want to come to your house, Zacchaeus. Jesus is looking for a seat at your table. Jesus is wanting to sit down with you and your family in the midst of your squabbles, in the midst of your fights, in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your selfishness. I'm going to keep on preaching until somebody helps me this morning. Jesus is not turned off by your mess. Jesus knows the only way he can fix your mess is by getting to your table, is by getting into the middle of your life. You see, as long as Zacchaeus stays in the admiration of the sycamore tree, he'll never be transformed. He might get a story. He might get a testimony. He might get something he can put on social media about what he saw Jesus do. But he'll never be transformed until he gets Jesus in his house. So three things, you can write them down real quick, Jesus says to Zacchaeus. Number one, he says, hurry. Hurry. How many of you know that in order to move from admiration into true discipleship, we have to have a sense of urgency with how we respond to Jesus? There were a few people who Jesus invited to be his disciples, and they told him what their to-do list was for that day. They told him about the other priorities that they had encumbering their schedule, which would not allow them to follow Jesus. And Jesus uh, didn't have extremely kind words to say to them about their other priorities. Because Jesus expects that when he invites us, we would respond with urgency to his call. Hurry and come down. The implication being, Zacchaeus, if you don't get off your and out of that tree, I'm going to keep on moving because I'm on my way somewhere. I want you to know that Jesus loves you, Jesus will invite you, and Jesus will wait on you, but he won't wait on you forever. He's inviting you to follow him. He's going somewhere, and he wants you to come with him, hurry, and come down. Sometimes people are willing to hurry, they're just not willing to come down. 
you'll never follow Jesus unless you're willing to come down. <laughs> See, Zacchaeus was worried about his short stature, so he climbed up in a tree, which made him feel better. It made him feel more secure. It made him feel better than other people. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, as long as you're clinging to the height of a sycamore tree, you can't follow me. You're going to have to get rid of your false self. You're going to have to get rid of your facades, and you're going to have to say, I may be short, but I'm following Jesus. I may not measure up, but I'm following Jesus. I may not be as good as everybody else, but I'm going to follow Jesus. May not have as much money, may not have as much significance, may not have, I may be short in stature, but if Jesus invites me, invites himself to my house, I'm getting out of the tree that gives me false security, and I'm saying more than anything else in my life, I want Jesus. Yes. Hurry and come down, because I want to have dinner at your house today. The third thing that Zacchaeus' story tells us is that whatever Jesus is doing in my life, it always begins today. Wow. It always begins today. I love the Gospel of Luke because today is a key word in the Gospel of Luke. In Jesus' first sermon in the Gospel of Luke in Luke chapter 4, he preaches this famous sermon out of Isaiah 61, and he says, you know, the Lord said somebody's going to come and bind up the brokenhearted and let the blind see and set the captives free and proclaim the, the year of Jubilee. And everybody listening to Jesus was like, oh, yeah, I know, we know that's awesome. That's going to happen someday. And Jesus looked at him and said, today. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your midst. Because for Jesus, today is the day of salvation. For Jesus, now is the acceptable time. Jesus said, every year is jubilee because I'm here. Every year is a possibility for transformation because Jesus' presence is in our midst. See, when you have a worship service like we had this morning, Jesus' presence is in our midst. And you know what Jesus is saying? Hurry come down, get out of that tree. Today's the day. I want to do things in your life right now. I don't want to wait till tomorrow. I want a seat at your table right now. I need three uh, volunteers, if you will, just come up here and sit at the table with me. Come on, Christian, just come. You don't have to wait. Come on, Shad, come on. There you go. Come on, Brandon. Good job. What a wonderful assortment of volunteers. Just take your seat at the table. Here we are at Zacchaeus's house now. Pastor Kathy's going to love my illustrated sermon. I just know it. I'm using the beautiful wood table. Zacchaeus' house. I get to be Jesus because I got the mic. Zacchaeus down there at the other end. He's at the head of the table because he's hosting. There's Zacchaeus. You're not really that short in stature. We won't make any comments about other candidates that could be fitting that bill. We're sitting at Zacchaeus' house, but Jesus wasn't alone. I want you to pay attention. We're going to tie these two stories together. Jesus is at the table. Zacchaeus is at the table. But the disciples are at the table. So that means Peter and James and John are at the table. That means Thomas and Bartholomew are at the table. That means Simon the Zealot is at the table. That means, let's make sure we get all the disciples. That, that means, wait, wait, Judas. Judas is at the table. In Zacchaeus' house. Who wants to be Judas? <laughs> Christian, thank you. <laughs> Judas, I suppose you're Peter or John, right? Yeah, right. So here we are dining. Here we are dining at Zacchaeus' table. Here we are dining at Zacchaeus' table, and Jesus says, Zacchaeus, 
course, Zacchaeus, watch this. I'm going to point out a couple of things just to challenge you just a little bit, just for fun. This is just extra for fun. You know, Zacchaeus doesn't say a sinner's prayer. Zacchaeus doesn't go through any religious experience. In fact, Zacchaeus had a relationship with Pharisees. He was an Israelite. He was a son of Abraham. He just took up tax collecting as a profession. He was obviously defrauding people left and right. He was in with the Roman government, so he's making money on the side. He's doing his thing. And Jesus says to Zacchaeus, because Zacchaeus said to Jesus, sitting at this table in your presence has changed the way I think and think about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And I just decided right now I'm going to give. How do you know if you've really been in the presence of Jesus when you start doing things like giving half your money away? I think it's interesting that Jesus didn't say, now, did you confess the right thing? Did you get to the, did the prayer partner? Did they fill out a card? Did Jesus said, oh, really? You're going to give half your money away and you're going to pay everybody you've defrauded four times back? And then Jesus goes, hmm, sounds like to me salvation has come to your house, Zacchaeus. Because Jesus said, I'm not interested in whether you, and none of these things are invaluable, so please don't take it out of context, but I'm not as interested if you filled out a card or what you said when you prayed. I'm interested in, are you changing your life? Yes. Are you changing your life? Do you think differently about money? Do you think differently about your business? Do you think differently about your purpose in life? Because it sounds like to me, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house today. And here's what's fascinating to me is that the Pharisees must have preached and taught the Torah 10,000 times to Zacchaeus. But one meal at the table with Jesus brought salvation to Jesus. What if the people you're trying to reach won't be transformed by a teaching or a preaching or a church service, but they will be transformed by somebody representing Jesus and sitting down at their table with them? Jesus didn't say, Zacharias, turn your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Let me tell you about this. I'm a preacher and I'm preaching this. Like, that's what I do, and I'm picking on it. Maybe we need to be preaching less and dining more. Maybe we need to be pontificating less, and, and maybe we need to be having intimate meals with one another more. God said, I want to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. How many of you know that requires you're going to have to be willing to sit at the table with your enemy? You know, I think sometimes God prepares the table and he gets the enemies at the table and we look at the table and go, that table's full of enemies. That ain't sitting there. And that's like, God's like, that's the table I prepared for you. I was ready to do transformation right there. So now Judas is watching this transaction take place. Judas, who the gospels tell us all along Pastor Cole, where is he at? Judas is robbing Jesus' money bag all day long. That's Bible, people. Jesus is doing ministry, doing his thing, and there's an embezzler in the church. Jesus didn't call the IRS, Jesus, because you know what Jesus knew? Take all that money you want, Judas. God will take care of me. My Father in heaven's watching over me. I ain't worried about that. That'll take care of itself in time. And so Judas is robbing. He's doing what Zacchaeus was doing. And he watches Zacchaeus get transformed. And you know Jesus and the Holy Spirit. 
or the whole time say, come on, Judas. Come on, baby. You can be transformed too. You can let go of your tax-collecting crooked ways. You can be transformed just like Zacchaeus. But Judas sits at the table. He gets up from the table. And he goes on to Jerusalem with Jesus and the disciples. So fast forward the movie. Come on, Judas, that's all right. You can ad-lib. I'm down with that. So he just, you guys just stay there and now we're in Jerusalem. Y'all just like scene change. Sit down there, Judas. Now, now we're at the, now we're at the table of the Last Supper. And Judas has got all of this going on. And Jesus says, the hand of my betrayer is on the table. And I don't know what y'all would have done when he said that, as I'd have been like. <laughs> I'd have been like, what's that game y'all play? You know, it's like it spicy Uno or something. It's like, you know, it's what the kids play. I don't even know how it works yet, but. So here's what I want you to see about Judas, because you know what's easy for us to do with Judas? I've read the Gospels. I've been a serious student of the Bible. I was thinking about this this morning. I mean, I'd say a serious student of the Bible for, it's hard to believe. I mean, close to 30 years I've been studying the Bible. And you know what I do with Judas all the time when I read the Gospels? I was like, God, I can't believe that joker. What's wrong with him? Judas, betraying Jesus, knucklehead. Oh, I know y'all read the Bible much more spiritually than I do, but I'm just telling you that's how I read the Bible. So you know what's interesting to me about Judas? is that if you really begin to understand what was going on with Judas, Judas wanted to be a disciple of Jesus. Judas was a disciple of Jesus. Here's what Judas's problem was. Judas had his own ideas about how Jesus should do what Jesus wanted to do. See, multiple disciples betrayed Jesus. We forget this, and that's good news for all of us. Because let me give you a couple of little encouraging points. Zacchaeus, Peter, Judas, what do they tell us? Jesus is constantly making room at his table for people who don't deserve to be there. I don't know about you, but that makes my heart full of joy because I'm going to tell you what, I don't know where you think I am, I don't know where you think you are, but this preacher right here, he don't deserve to be at that table, but Jesus made a place for me. Jesus said, you're welcome at my table because I invite sinners, I invite deniers, I invite betrayers, I invite failures, I invite prostitutes, I invite people whose life is a mess because I don't have an admission ticket the way you get transformed is by taking your place at the table. And so Judas is there, and Judas doesn't betray Jesus with a curse. See, Peter betrayed Jesus with a curse. I mean, he basically said, blankety blank, I don't know that guy. That's what he said. That's bad. Judas didn't betray Jesus with a curse. He betrayed him with a kiss. And the problem that Judas had was that he, he, he didn't, how, how can I say this? 
let, let me get this, get this into our lives here. Judas didn't want to deny Jesus. Judas wanted to manipulate Jesus. Judas wanted to control Jesus. Judas wanted to get Jesus on Judas's agenda. And Jesus said, I ain't playing that game, Judas. I'm going to do this my way. Judas heard Jesus telling Peter, I'm going to go down to Jerusalem. They're going to turn me over to the chief priests, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, Pilate, and Caiaphas. They're going to crucify the son of Jesus. Judas said, that's a bad plan. I got a better plan. You're so popular. We get this whole crew rising up in revolt. We'll overthrow them jokers, and we'll bring the kingdom of God back to Israel. And that was Judas's plan. In fact, that's why Judas betrayed Jesus, because he thought, maybe if I get him arrested, it'll trigger him into doing things my way. And Judas is a lesson to each and every one of us that we always are tempted and susceptible. In fact, I would say you're more susceptible. I'm more susceptible than denying Jesus with a curse. We're more susceptible to deny him with a kiss by saying, oh, Jesus, I love you, I admire you, but I really need you to do this, and I really want you to do this, rather than saying, Jesus, you're in charge of this relationship. You do what you want to do, and you do it how you want to do it. I am your disciple. And so Judas is there, and here we get the opportunity to read the Bible with a fresh lens and let the Holy Spirit just help you. When the Bible says that Jesus said, the hand of my betrayer is at the table. And we know from the other gospels that the disciples ensued in a conversation quickly. Uh, is it you? <laughs> like they just, is it you? Is it you? Is it me? Is it me? Who's he talking about? Because he said one of us is a betrayer. Which one is it? And this conversation goes on. And here's what I want you to see. Remember, we've talked about this. Pastor Kathy mentioned it. We've talked about this in the series. When you see these scenes, you are a disciple of Jesus. Don't read that like a 2,000-year-old story. Read it like a living story and realize you're sitting at that table. And maybe the text is inviting you to consider that rather than scapegoating Judas, the Holy Spirit wants me to ask, is there any Judas in me? <laughs> I felt that over there. I need to say that over here. Maybe the Holy Spirit is inviting me to ask, is there any Judas in me? Is there any way that I'm trying to co-opt Jesus and manipulate Jesus and control Jesus and tell Jesus how things make Jesus more practical when Jesus is simply saying the hand of the betrayer is on the table but all the betrayer needs to do is do what Zacchaeus did and I'll turn a betrayer into a disciple and a missionary for the kingdom of God. Can I have five more minutes? Y'all yes. doing okay? Yes. I'm going as fast as I can. See, Judas, there's, there's categories of Israelites during that time. There were Pharisees and Sadducees. Judas was a zealot. Judas was a zealot. And zealots were zealous for the temple and for Jerusalem. And they wanted to see the kingdom of God come. And through many, many years, they had believed that some military thing would happen and some great leader, some Messiah would lead them. But you know what? J Judas wasn't the only zealot who was a disciple. The Bible says Jesus had another disciple 
and his name was Simon the Zealot. Jesus had, you know, a couple from the Independent Party, a couple Democrats, a couple Republicans, a couple from the Green Party. He had a, he had a, he had a motley crew. I'm preaching right now. And Jesus said, I don't care what y'all believe about all that, just follow me. That's right. I'm moving on. Y'all doing okay? Simon the Zealot, church history tells us, we don't know much about him. He's a mysterious figure. But most likely, according to church history, Simon the Zealot went marching through Africa with the gospel. And he may very well have ended up in modern-day Britain as the apostle who brought the gospel to that land. He was Simon the Zealot. Judas was Judas the Zealot. You know what happened to Judas Iscariot. You don't know what happened to Simon the Zealot. I'll tell you the difference in what happened to them is that one of them was able to let go of his zealotry. One of them was able to let go of his personal agenda and say, Jesus is worth following even if it's confusing, and the other one said, I can't go with Jesus that far because I have my own vision of how my life is going to unfold, and I'm not willing to let it go, and he wound up with a rope around his neck. I don't believe for a minute that Jesus felt like that Judas had to end the way he had. I believe Jesus invited him into, the, into his 12 disciples as an act of grace and transformation was just as available to Judas Iscariot. I know that it's confusing and complicated because Scripture had to be fulfilled. But I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that every single one of us and the good news of the gospel this morning is that when the Holy Spirit challenges me to realize there's a little bit of Judas creeping up in my heart, all I have to do is say, God, it is me with my hand on the table. Help me take it off. I repent of putting my hand on the table that belongs to the Lord. You are in charge of this house. You are in charge of this family. You are in charge of my income. You are in charge of my employment. You are in charge of every aspect of my life. And when we do that, Jesus will say, today salvation has come to your house. Come on, worship team. Thank you, guys. Thank you. What a fantastic cast you are. Could you give those guys a great big hand? Listen to me. Anytime we fall into the trap of manipulating or controlling Jesus, we betray him in a way. And I think that this is such an important thing for the moment that we're living in. I believe with all my heart in these crazy and chaotic times that Jesus is more ready than ever to reveal himself to us in fresh and new ways. I believe with all my heart that if we will hurry and come down from our sycamore trees and say, Jesus, I've been a quote-unquote follower of you for a long time, but I need a fresh visit at my house. I need the presence of Jesus right back in my living room, right back in my marriage. Some of you need the presence of Jesus in your marriage bed. Some of you need the presence of Jesus in the lives of your children. Some of you have excluded the presence of Jesus from your work life. And like Zacchaeus, you said, well, business is business, and this is my employment. This is my job, and I'm not interested in what God has to say about that. But today, salvation 
can come to your house. I'm going to ask these guys to sing that song again. I speak the name of Jesus. And as we sing that, they didn't know I was going to say that, so let them just get ready. It'll be okay. But here's how I want to end today's service. We've had a powerful time of prayer and worship. And I said, Lord, what are you doing today in this service? What are you doing? How do we, how do we respond to that? And I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to emphasize something to you. A message like this must be carefully communicated because there is no condemnation if you say, my hand's on that table. Because I'm going to tell you, this is how preaching works for me, is all week long, the Holy Spirit's dealing with me about how my hand's on the table. So if you think that somehow that's shame-filled or condemnation, no, this is, this is a message of grace, and Judas is a lesson in grace for us, and Zacchaeus is a lesson in grace for us, that all we have to do is say, man, I take my hands off, and Jesus, I need. You know, Colin even didn't know what I was going to preach about, but they're up here talking about sozo, 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 salvation's a whole thing, it's everything. I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, we got it, we're going to get it, we're going to nail it home, this is amazing. But I believe that there are aspects and ways of Jesus' salvation that can come into areas of our life today. So I want us to sing, I speak the holy name of Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. I don't know what this will look like for you. It may mean you wander off over there to one of those pews with not very many people over. It may mean you come down here, but I want you to meet Jesus at your table today. I want, you, I want you to imagine that, you know, at the Johnson house or at the, at the, at the, um, at the Flores house, Flores house, or what, whatever your last name is, right? At that house, at that table, the Bohannon table, we're saying, Jesus, we speak your holy name over our family, over our home, over our table. And if there's a Judas in me, we know what to do with him. We turn him over and say, that's not going to be who I am. I'm going to let God do this his way. I'm not going to control and manipulate. I'm going to say, I surrender to Jesus today. So this is how we're going to dismiss. Some of you may need to get your kids. If you need to do that, please do. Don't leave them in there for three hours while you and Jesus have a holy moment. Amen. Send a spouse. Do something. But I want you to have a moment with Jesus today. So I want to bless you with the grace of Jesus. I want to bless you with the presence of Jesus. And I want to say to you that if you're here and you haven't given your heart to Jesus, Jesus can do that in all sorts of ways. You turn around, kneel at that pew and say, Jesus, I want to belong to you. I promise you, he'll say salvation's in your house today, baby. Now, we'd love to help you walk that out and follow that up with you. We want to get to know you. Let us know that that happened. But no matter where you're at, I believe Jesus wants to release something to you today. Maybe you're a Zacchaeus. Maybe you're a Judas. I don't know where you are in your journey. What I do know this is this. Jesus is ready to come to your table and release salvation into your life in a new and a fresh way. And just so you know, Christians need to be saved too. Because if we respond to these stories and to this message as if, well, you know, brother, I'm, praise God, I'm walking with God. I'm, you know what you're doing? You're identifying yourself in the story and you're one of the Pharisees. 
at Zacchaeus's house grumbling about how you don't need Jesus to do anything in your life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a Pharisee in the story. I want to be the guy who's like, what table is Jesus at, baby? Get me, get out of my way. I'm sitting down at that baby right there. I need all I can get. You're the pastor. You're the priest. That's right, baby. And I need all I can get. If there's salvation flowing, I need it in every area of my life. I speak the holy name of Jesus over myself and over my family and over my life. Come on. Come on. You just get your table and you meet with Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. My name is Holly, I'm on the leadership team, and I just want you to know that we do not take your time lightly. We recognize that every church in America is basically on the internet and you chose to join us. So thank you for doing that. As we close out today, I just want you to know that we are praying for you, that we love you. If there's anything we can pray with you about, go ahead and put it in the chat because we have prayer partners available and they want you to know and they want you to uh, recognize that Jesus is with you today. And so in Pastor Jay's sermon today, he taught us about Judas. And although that can be 
a little overwhelming or maybe even sketchy at times, it's an invitation that regardless of what our past, present, or even our future looks like, Jesus is inviting us to him. So make room this week in your, re- in your week for Jesus to come sit at your table, in your home, with your family, and allow him into your world so that you can in turn follow him to the measure of grace that he's given you. So again, thank you for joining us this morning. We at The Gate Church, we love you. There's nothing you can do about it. And so hit us up next Sunday, 10 a.m.